0: You're listening to episode 13 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Harkey. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer and let's get to the show. Today's episode is a little different. From what you've gotten from me so far on scaling up, I'm getting super personal and pretty vulnerable in sharing my third baby's birth story. And it's not what you might think you'd hear on an entrepreneurial minded podcast, but I felt like it really applied to our listeners. So I'm sitting here with my newborn, she's sleeping. Thankfully. So, hopefully, we can get through this episode. She's three weeks old today as of this recording. And this third baby experience and everything from the pregnancy to the delivery to the recovery have been so different than my first two. And I've seen so many parallels between this particular experience and our lives as entrepreneurs and as a business owner. And since I've gotten so many questions of curiosity, and really requests to hear the birth story, I decided that I would share it. I felt compelled to share it. And to me, this is something so private and sacred. And I've never shared my past two birth stories with the public before because I love cherishing that as our own. But this time, I don't know, something's been pulling on my heart to put it out there. And I think it will move a lot of you. And I think it will uh, speak to a lot of you. So Before we dive into this episode, I want to preface it with a reminder, a disclaimer, whatever you want to call it. I'm sharing my birth story. I'm sharing what we chose to do, how my body worked through this experience, how our baby came into the world, and I find it unfortunate that I feel like I even have to say this, but... I have found that every time I share on social media about something we researched or chose for our pregnancy or our delivery or my postpartum experience, I get almost all positive and supportive replies. But without fail, I get at least a few comments or messages from people sharing their disappointment that in sharing how I chose to do something, it felt as though I was trying to shame someone else who chose to do it differently. And listen, I warned from the get-go of this show of a few things. One, I am not going to try to please everybody. I'm not everyone's cup of tea, and I embrace that now. I'm not one to focus on being totally politically correct or trying to uh, dull the edges and sugarcoat everything so that it's status quo for for the whole world. That's the first thing. That being said, in sharing my own stories and experiences and choices, it doesn't mean I'm shaming what other people chose. I'm sharing what I chose and that's it. It's my story. And your story is your story. And their story is their story. And what I've done or what I've chosen doesn't take away from your experience. And there are things, even through my three birth experiences, I would have done differently my first time, now being a third time mom. But I didn't know those things then. So I also share these things to help educate people who are seeking this information. I'm not trying to force it on anyone, just sharing it. And just because I did something one way, it doesn't mean it's the only way or even the right way for everyone. However, I'm not afraid to share why I chose the things I chose to do. And when I do believe there are better options for different things in life, it doesn't mean everyone has to do it or that they will do it. But not every option in life, not every choice in life has to be the best option. It doesn't have to win the award for being the best option. And I hear that a lot, like when people talk about motherhood and the different aspects of motherhood, whether it's how you feed your baby or how you chose to bring your baby into the world, or maybe you didn't get to choose how you brought your baby into the world or how you're raising them. There are so many different options. There are so many different ways. And I personally don't believe every way is the best way. And I know we got into this habit of saying that to make everyone feel okay about their choices. So in sharing mine, it doesn't mean that mine is the best way, but it was the best option for us based on our experiences and what we research. because you guys know I'm a total research junkie and I like to take the best, healthiest options especially when it comes to my kids and my own health. And I also often choose sometimes the road least traveled because it's not the easiest option or the most appealing to certain people, and that's okay too. And most importantly, please don't ever give me or anyone else that kind of power in your life. When someone is sharing something and it makes you feel a certain way, look within at why. Is it because you wished you'd done it differently? Great. Well, that's an awesome opportunity for you to grow moving forward. It doesn't mean you have to feel bad about your past. Is it because you wholeheartedly disagree with them? Okay, fine. Maybe they just aren't your people or their path isn't your path. But please don't let my experiences or anyone else's have full control over how you feel. I'm simply sharing our story based on what I researched and what I lived through. And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you can glean something from it. And. I'll get to it. So, let's talk about before labor started. Leading up to labor, for some reason, this time, third time around, I had the most anxieties around the thought of going into labor. I don't know if it's because I've been through natural childbirth previously and it was so incredibly challenging and painful. I'm going to be totally honest in this episode. And I knew that this time that was my choice again assuming and everything I share about natural childbirth and talking about how we were so matter-of-factly going that route, obviously that's assuming there weren't any complications or reasons that we had to do things differently. So this is all based on the assumption and the mindset of going into it that everything's going to go according to plan. And obviously if it didn't, we would adjust, but thank God it did. And I'm going to share more about that. But leading up to labor, for some reason, I had, I had anxiety around it and I was not looking forward to the actual laboring part of the process. And I was kind of dreading the thought of another marathon labor. My previous labors went really long, like almost a full day from when my water broke to when I delivered the baby. And I just was feeling really tired at the end of this pregnancy. Probably chasing around two toddlers didn't help, but I just remember thinking, going, you know, progressing in my pregnancy, feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't picture having the energy to get through this marathon labor that might be coming my way. Like, how is this going to happen? And our kids kept getting sick. And then I ended up having to go in for that emergency dental procedure right at the end of my pregnancy at 38 weeks. Like there were so many things that I'm convinced my body kept pausing when I was going to have this baby and pushing it off because like I couldn't bring a baby into the world when Our entire family was sick with the flu, stomach flu, or when I was in the hospital and going through this dental procedure. So I normally go into labor a little bit ahead of my due date. And this time, at 41 weeks, that's when I finally went into labor. So I want to talk about some of the things that I did to, quote, prepare for labor this time that I felt were helpful, that I think maybe, you know, you could apply to your own pregnancy or future pregnancies. But truthfully, I didn't do all that much because as my due date was approaching, when most women are doing everything in their power to induce labor because they are so done being pregnant, I went into this stage of, yes, I was nesting like so many women do, but I was so happy being present with my two kids and my husband. I felt like it was our opportunity to soak up our last bit of time as a family of four and I also was dreading labor enough that I didn't want to be the one to induce it. <laughs> I also didn't want to get induced. So I was in this pickle of not knowing what the heck I wanted. But some of the things I did to prepare, I started drinking red raspberry leaf tea. Now, I don't know if any of this stuff works. So how do, how do you get data sets on this stuff? You really can't. But I will soon tell you about the actual labor. And I am convinced this stuff worked. So I started drinking red ras- raspberry leaf tea at least 3 times a day starting at about i don't know 37 weeks maybe i also was meditating every single night just to keep myself calm to help with my sleep and i have a really strong faith so i felt like my prayer life really got enhanced at the end of my pregnancy and i started to pray about those anxieties i was having about labor and just seeking peace and to trust in the lord that he would guide me through this so I wasn't necessarily ready or raring to get myself to go into labor. So I'm not sharing all these, you know, how to get yourself into, to go into labor tips. There's Google for that. But I was soaking up spending time with the kids and being really present. I also had really, really bad pelvic pain pretty much the second half of my pregnancy, both this time, the previous time, and at the end of my first pregnancy. And it was something that I wanted to be done with but not enough to want to go into labor this time. And about a week ahead of when I actually did go into labor, I started to have contractions pretty regularly, actually two weeks ahead. And then one week ahead, it was like pretty consistent contractions, but they would just come and go and they wouldn't get really strong. And they weren't super, super painful, but I had a lot of back pain. So I assumed things were going to start. But with both of my other babies... And I thought maybe that this is just how my body does things. Once you've experienced something twice, you start to assume that this is just how it is. My water broke with both my other babies, and I didn't go into labor. My contractions just didn't start. And when your water breaks and you're having a hospital birth, they're really anxious to get you in there like right away. So with my first baby, with Jack, I did what I was told because I didn't know any better. My water broke, and we pretty much went right to the hospital. And, you know, I ended up having to get induced and get Pitocin, which in retrospect and with everything I researched, I really didn't want to have to do that with my second baby. But my water broke again and my labor didn't start. But I knew enough to not call the hospital right away. And I tried to get things started at home so that I, because I really wanted the ability to labor at home. I didn't want it to be like the first time where I had to be in a hospital room, hooked up to stuff for like 24 hours, feeling like I was in a fishbowl, being watched by all these people. And I just wanted to be able to labor at home. And I didn't get that opportunity my second time either with Marie. I, you know, was able to keep the hospital and my doctors at bay for a good I don't know, almost 12 hours, but then they wanted me to come in and I ended up having to get induced again. I also read hypnobirthing. Now I've never taken the classes. I really wanted to, but with our moves, it just never worked out with the timing of stuff. I moved in my first and my third pregnancies. And it just didn't work out. But it did help me get into the right frame of mind and have an understanding of how to cope with certain things. I've never been one of those lucky women. And if you're one of them, I would love to hear from you because I would just love to hear your story. I would, I've would i never been one of those people who could just breathe the baby down with no pain. Like when I hear those stories, I find them so hard to believe. I know it's possible. But for me, the pain is so incredibly existent, and I so I, even though I couldn't get into like a hypno birth state, I found that book to be incredibly helpful and informative as to why I wanted a more natural labor versus being induced versus an epidural or pain medication or anything like that. The biggest differences going into labor this time versus the previous times was I had made a decision during this pregnancy that when the time came, I would not use the word can't. And that's something that we've started doing with our kids is teaching them to not say I can't. If they need help with something, they can ask for help. If they need a new way of doing something, they can, you know, ask for guidance in that. But they don't come to the table having tried something once and say I can't. So I kind of wanted to channel that into my labor this time, and it made a huge difference because when I was in labor with Marie, and it was a natural labor, and it was long, and it was excruciating, I remember saying over and over to Michael, I can't do this. Like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I can't keep going. One, that's simply not true. I can. It just sucks. (laughs) And two, every time I was telling myself that narrative, it was becoming truth to me. Like I was actually starting to believe that I couldn't do it, that I needed an epidural, that I needed the doctors to somehow magically get this baby out without me having to do it. So going into this labor this time, I knew that can't wasn't an option. I I could do this. This just was going to be really hard. And so instead I was saying things like, I can push through this challenge and my body is made for this and just different things that would wrap my brain around a narrative that was positive and that was going to get me to the end result that we wanted, which was this baby being born naturally. So eliminating can't from my vocabulary and like I said, eliminating the the option for the epidural, like that wasn't in my brain an option. So that really helped me continue to keep going and quite literally keep pushing Through the labor. And the last thing, kind of leading up to my labor, I'm not the birth plan type. I'm not the like, I want this playlist on, I want these pictures in front of me. But this time, what I did do differently is I did have a sheet of paper that I scribbled some stuff down on just so that my doctors and my team and my people, because we were going to, we were delivering in a hospital again, just knew my non negotiables and my standards. Like, absolutely no on these things these are my preferences and this is how I'd like things to operate. Not so much like this plan because you just don't know how things are going to go and I'm also just not the planned type. So that was the stuff I did to prep. Let's get to the night of the action. Okay so we went to bed on Tuesday night and I had been like crampy and just kind of feeling stuff for a while now, over a week. So I wasn't really thinking much of anything. And we had a major snowstorm coming. We had a blizzard coming through Wisconsin and went to bed that night and it started snowing. And with Marie, with my second baby, my doctor had warned me it was in the winter. And he's like, there's a snowstorm coming. So be prepared. That's when a lot of women have their water break because of the change in pressure. So, and it did. And I had Marie, we had to drive to the hospital in a snowstorm. Now back when we lived out east, we were 10 minutes from our hospital and it was all back roads. Out here, we're a good 45 minutes away from our hospital and that's without snow on the roads. So at 1 in the morning, when I got up to pee for like probably my fourth time already that night, I was coming back to bed and was standing at the edge of the bed, yanking on the covers to pull them back to my side, because every time I get up to go pee, somehow my husband rolls over with all the blankets, so I have to pull them back, and my water broke. So I debated waking Michael up because I was thinking, okay, it's 1.40 in the morning, it's a snowstorm, we have a, like a quarter mile long driveway, so he's going to have to go out and snow blow this whole thing. So he kind of needs some sleep; <laughs> he's got to get us to the hospital, and my labors never start right away. So I should probably get back into bed and go back to bed too, because I know my contractions aren't going to start because it's never happened on its own. So I get into bed and I lay down thinking, okay, I'm going to go back to bed now, and I have my first contraction and It's not like killer buckled over in pain contraction, but it was certainly more intentional than anything I had had previously leading up to that moment and My doctor had told me, we asked her, you know, when should we come in this time? Because we're, you know, 45 to 50 minutes away from the hospital. And she's like, honestly, it's your third baby. You never know. And being that distance, just play it safe. Come in seven to 10 minutes apart. Well, I had another contraction and I wake Michael up. I tell him my water broke. And of course, he can't sleep after that because he's so excited. He hops up. He starts getting everything ready and within a half an hour, my contractions were so intense and two minutes apart. And I was tracking them. There's an app on your, you can use a bunch of different contraction tracker apps. And I was tracking them on my phone and it was like clockwork, two minutes apart, two minutes apart, two minutes apart. So I was like, okay, this is, this is happening. And I thought maybe they'd space back out because that's what had happened to me in my prior experiences where they'd start to gear up, but then they'd go away. Well, no, they intensified. So I decided I wanted to take a shower and I was laboring in the shower and it was just they were still coming. So I hopped out. Now, my mother-in-law is a little over two hours away. Keep in mind, there's a big snowstorm happening at that moment. We had someone local, a good friend of ours who was going to kind of fill in the gap if she needed to. And we called her, and it was. I swear to God, she must have been waiting in her car or something. She'd been dying for me to go into labor. She was here so fast. And I had told Michael, I'm like, okay, I think we should call Gina. And he's like, uh, yep, I'll, you know, I'm gonna get some more stuff ready, get some stuff in the car, and then I'll call her. I'm like, nope, you gotta call her now. I could just tell something was happening. So she got here really fast. And as I'm getting ready, at this point, like, I can't move or talk when these contractions are happening. I am I have to bend totally forward. That's how it felt better, like, lean on the edge of the counter in our bathroom and just get through that moment before I could talk. Michael was asking me questions and doing stuff around. I don't think he realized it because I, at that point in labor, before it gets to, like, high gear for me, I go silent when my contractions happen. When I was in labor with Jack, I remember my mom asking, she came in after to see the baby. And she asked, how was it? Like, how did it go? And Michael, <laughs> I remember Michael saying like, yeah, I don't think the, con- the contractions weren't that bad. And I looked at him with daggers, like I was going to murder him, because they were the worst thing ever. But I kind of go inward when I'm in excruciating pain. So I go silent. So the same thing was happening at home. And I wasn't at a point in labor where I'm like, grunting, yelling, moaning, whatever. I was totally silent. So I had to kind of remind him like, nope, this is happening. We got to go. One thing I knew I really wanted and I prayed for was the ability to go in labor by myself. I did not want to have to be induced this time. And we had talked with my doctor about an induction date about a week out because she didn't want me to go too far past 42 weeks. And I'd been going in for the non-stress test and everything looked okay. But I was praying that my body would go into labor, and I absolutely got the wish this time. And one thing I knew, being a third-time mom, was how to advocate for myself. Every appointment, you know, I'm meeting with my OB, who was awesome. I really, really liked her. But she's still an OB. She still does stuff her way. And I learned so much about natural childbirth and natural pregnancy that it kind of conflicted with some of the things she did. Like, I didn't do the gestational diabetes test the way that she normally did it because I didn't want to drink that drink that has a lot of stuff in it, chemicals and toxins in it. And, you know, she didn't love that, but she was willing to respect my wishes. And I don't get certain shots during my pregnancy and just different things that don't follow the medical plan. So I knew how to advocate for myself, and I knew how to advocate for our baby based on what we researched and what we wanted. And what I didn't know, when I was pregnant with Marie, and I went into the hospital, and I was more educated than I was with my first pregnancy, and I knew I wanted to try to avoid being induced, I kept asking them, give me a little more time, see if my body goes into labor. We had learned different acupressure points that I had Michael working on trying to get me to go into labor. Um, Nothing was really working. And they came to me, this is when I was out east, living out east, and they said, okay, I know you don't want Pitocin, but we have a way more mild way to see if we can jumpstart labor and see if it works. It's just this dissolvable pill. We put it under your tongue and it'll help soften the cervix and get things going, hopefully. And if not, then we'll lean towards Pitocin when we need to. And they made it sound like such a mild, non-invasive no risk kind of thing. They never told me the name of it. And here's the thing. I was at a point in my labor, or at the point like in the process, I didn't think to ask what the name of it was, what the risks were, what the side effects could be, because I just wasn't thinking. I was trusting them and how they presented it to me. I come to find out after the fact that they had given me Cytotec. Cytotec is not an FDA-approved drug. For pregnant women. In fact, it says on the packaging that it's not intended for use for pregnant women, and it's also not intended for use to induce labor. Yet it's used all the time because it's really cheap. Hospitals love to use it, but there are huge risks with it, and it does cross the placenta, so it can affect the baby. And the difference between something like Pitocin and Cytotec is once the Cytotec is in your system, it can't be taken out. Pitocin can kind of be monitored since it's, they're dosing it to you, but the Cytotec, once it's in your system, it can cause uterine rupture. There are so many risks associated with it. I didn't know that. Thank God I didn't have any of the potential risks didn't happen to me in that second pregnancy and labor, but I didn't know. So I've learned that you have to be your own advocate. You have to educate yourself for the sake of your body, your health, and your baby. And how that looks for you might be different than how it looks for me. But I remember being devastated when I learned after the fact that my doctor had done that, had given me that without giving me all the information. And then I realized that I had to take ownership for that too. I didn't ask the questions. So this time I was so grateful that my body was going into labor, but I was also a little nervous because we live far away from the hospital and there was a frickin' blizzard happening outside and we had to go because for about two hours at that point, I had been about two to three minutes apart in my contractions and they were intense. And I was also feeling a lot of pressure. And if you've gone through labor and you're starting to feel that pressure, you know what I'm talking about. You know what's coming, which is that feeling that you have to push. Truthfully, I was pretty nervous to leave the house, not knowing if this baby was going to make her appearance in the car. And I don't think Michael fully understood how much I thought that was a possibility at the time. So as we're about to get in the car, he's pretty calm. And I'm not anything but going through my contractions. But between contractions, as he's about to get in the car, I'm like, okay, I'm going to need you to go get... Blankets and a few towels. He's like, why are you cold? No, I have no idea what these roads are going to be like. We are going to the hospital in a snowstorm and my contractions are two minutes apart and have been for two hours and I'm feeling pressure. So go get blankets. (laughs) So he loaded the car with blankets, uh, which I think totally freaked him out once I asked him to do that. And when we got on the road, they were bad. The roads hadn't been plowed everywhere. Our street is a gravel road. Our driveway hadn't been plowed out yet. So we were kind of pushing through the snow and then got onto the main road, which are country highways around here. And there are two lanes on each side. And it's like the, a plow had come down the middle of the two lanes. So we were kind of just driving down the middle of the road. And there was sleet and snow kicking up at us, and it ended up taking a good hour to get there, maybe a little bit more. I'm not quite sure. It was a little blurry to me. But that was a kind of a scary part of the drive, not knowing, and then arriving at the hospital and being super grateful that the baby was still in my belly at that point. So we get to the hospital and i couldn't i couldn't walk through the contractions at this point so i had to keep stopping in the hallway let the contraction come and then keep walking to get to our room and i was so happy when i got to our room because our hospital i can't say enough about what an incredible experience i had there they were so good at it didn't feel like a hospital it felt like a birthing center they did a really good job like when we came in instead of having those big it was the middle of the night around between 4 and 5 a.m. when we got in. Instead of having those big neon lights on over our head, they had a couple of really nice lamps that you would have in your home on dim in the room. So like we came into a nice calming room. We didn't get a barrage of, you know, we got to register you. We need your ID. We need this. We need that. They like walked me to my room first. They had a nurse come meet me there and let me labor and then asked questions very quietly and casually in between my contractions and let Michael kind of help us set up the room and get things ready. And they asked me, you know, do you have a birth plan? And they wanted to know, okay, you know, what vaccinations do you want, if any, for the baby? And how do you want your labor to go? And they really wanted to know how they could better serve me. And I was so grateful for that because when you're at that point in the labor. It's kind of hard to remember to tell them those things. And I did have my list of my non-negotiables and the things that we really wanted. So I was able to give them that. But it was also nice to kind of validate that list by telling them and letting them know the things I wanted, letting them know I want and fully plan on having a natural labor. So please don't offer me any epidural or medication. Because trust me, when you feel like your body is being sawed in half and someone says, would you like an epidural? It will make all of this go away. You're like, well, hell yeah, give me three. So I was very grateful (laughs) that they never offered it to me because I had set my mind to that and it didn't distract me from what I knew I wanted and I knew why I wanted it for the health of my baby and for my own health and my own recovery. And that's something that you you have to research on your own and figure out what the right thing is for you. But I knew in my heart that was the right thing for me. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sometimes not over-researching is nice because then you don't learn about the potential side effects and you don't learn about how it crosses the placenta or how it affects your back later or what the risks are. But I did. So I felt morally obligated to have a natural childbirth again. And I remember this time, a huge difference between the last time and this time was that I never even thought about an epidural. And it was so amazing to me because I had made the decision going into it. The second pregnancy I had, I still kind of had on my heart like, well, my hope is to have a natural childbirth and you know, that's where I'm leaning. But what happens happens. And when you have that attitude, it's a lot harder because thankfully I had my husband in my corner at the end of that that labor and my nurses in my corner, but when you have the option. I was asking for an epidural at the end of my second labor because I was I felt like I was dying. And Michael and my nurses kind of kept reminding me, "Nope, we're at the end of the labor, you're going to keep going, like that's not what you want." But if it were my decision, you know, at that point being in so much pain, I would have chosen it because I kind of let that be an option, but this time it wasn't an option for me. And I I, I know I mentioned that this is kind of one of those episodes that doesn't seem Like it's focused on entrepreneurship because it's not, but there were so many parallels in this journey for me in childbirth, labor, even the recovery that I'll talk about, and business and entrepreneurship and my vision for my future. Going into this labor, having made that decision, knowing there is no other option for me. This is it. I am going to go through this really hard thing, no matter how bad it feels, no matter how tripped up I feel like I get, no matter how much I want it to be different or be easier. I know I can do this. I know I'm capable of this and I know I will do it. Because this is it, this is the option for me. And I think so often when we are starting something or building something or creating something or doing something, we shift gears because it gets hard. Not because we should or because it's the better option. It's like, I don't wanna go through this really tough time so I'm gonna take this shortcut or I'm gonna take this easier option or I'm gonna quit. And when you go into something, eliminating that thought process of going into it 99%, you go in 100%. You open up the door for you to conquer it, for you to crush it, for you to become a champion in that thing, because that is the choice you made ahead of time. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what you face, no matter how much pain you're staring right in the eyes, you are going to do it anyway. And I felt like that was kind of what was happening this time for me in my labor. And I remember moments like that, even in my career path and my business, building my business of the difference between the times where I said, yeah, I'm going to try that, I'm going to give that a shot, and I'm doing it. No matter what, I'm doing it. And the times that I said I'm making it happen, I'm doing it, were actually easier despite how hard they were because there was no choice to be made. There was no question I had to answer. I just made it happen. What also helped for me was that I had told them I want minimal cervical checks because, you know, my water had already broken. And I really wanted to trust my body in this process, but I did want to know where I was at, you know, once I got there so that I kind of could just start processing in my head how I wanted that to go. And it was a huge hurdle I had felt like I jumped because the first time they checked me when I was first getting there I was six to seven centimeters already. And that was a point in my labor last time that was a really hard point for me to get to. Like I kept hovering at three, four centimeters and I wasn't progressing and they had to give me Pitocin. And I felt like I had already conquered a huge piece of the battle. So that helped with my mindset. My back labor was insanely intense. But what I was able to do this time that I've never, I had never done before in my pregnancy, like I can remember those moments in labor when I was having Jack and when I was having Marie of every contraction would come and my body would tense up so tightly that I would be like a pretzel. Like I was in so much pain and I was gritting my teeth and squeezing my hands and pulling my shoulders up to my ears and groaning in pain and focusing on nothing but the pain. And this time, I had made a decision that with each contraction, I was going to focus on something. Now, I like to close my eyes with each contraction, so it wasn't about focusing on a, an image or a picture or, or anything like that, but it was about focusing on a thought in my mind. So it was different each time. I didn't have it all planned out ahead of time or anything like that, but I knew that with each contraction, I was going to put my energy into focusing either on that contraction being productive, like allowing it to do what it was supposed to do, move my baby down to get ready to birth the baby. And when I did that, it was amazing. Someone had told me, if you keep your jaw loose, like our natural inclination is to tighten our jaw when we're in pain. If you can let your lower jaw fall and keep your jaw loose, some people say that that helps you keep like your abdominal area loose as well, and your cervix will be loose and it will allow the baby to move down more easily. So in the times that I was in that six to seven centimeter range in very, very active labor, I would focus on keeping my jaw loose, keeping my face not too tight. And the only things I would squeeze were be Michael's hands. And I would squeeze his hands, but I was trying to keep my shoulders loose and relax my belly, which was a really hard thing to do when it's physically contracting. Like a contraction is actually your muscles totally tightening up in your, you know, your abdominal area. So trying to not add to that tightness. And when I would do that, I swear to you, I could feel the baby moving down. I felt like I could feel changes happening and my body preparing for birth and that was a huge confidence booster for me because even though it was excruciating it felt so productive it felt like every con- contraction had purpose behind it and then when i started to transition into that phase of labor that was like all bets are off i've gone batshit crazy my head spinning around like the exorcist i don't know if i can do this anymore there were other things I was thinking about. So it wasn't enough for me anymore to focus on each contraction being productive. I had to take my mind to a different level and this was huge for me. Every contraction, I thought about someone in my life that has been through something far harder than I was going through in that moment and I focused on their face in my mind And I thought about the pain that they've experienced in their life. And it makes me want to cry even thinking about it because it was such a powerful thing for me to take myself out of my own body and shift my heart to someone else and what they've gone through. I thought about those last 56 days of my grandmother's life and sitting by her bedside every single day with my two little babies holding her hand, and the pain she was in. And it took me out of my own pain and out of my own body. And it made me grateful for her. And it made me realize that if she can suffer through that kind of pain so much deeper than mine, I can get through this little contraction. And I thought about the people I knew in my life who had suffered losses. Maybe their pain wasn't physical, but it was emotional. And just for those, that minute Of that contraction, I put all of my energy and my focus into that other person. Did it make my pain go away? Absolutely not. But it gave me something to focus on, and I was able to say the littlest prayer in my head because that's all I could muster up for that person. And it also gave every contraction such great purpose for me. Towards the end of my labor, when it was really intense, my contractions started coupling. Now, this happened to me with both Jack and Marie, but I was on Pitocin those times, so I thought it was Pitocin-related. Apparently, Pitocin, not necessary, because my contractions started coupling to the point where my doctor came in towards the end and wanted to do a check to see how far I was because I was feeling a ton of pressure. She would say, okay, I'll check you between the contractions so that I'm not checking you during a contraction because that's very uncomfortable. (laughs) And she can see on the screen, because I have the monitor on my belly, when my contractions are starting. So she would see the contractions start to come down, but then it would go right back up again. So I stopped getting breaks between my contractions. I don't know why my body does that. I don't know what that was about. It was exhausting, and it was incredibly tough mindset-wise, because there was no break there was no opportunity for me to regroup, catch my breath and say, I can do this next one. I just have to do this next one. It was like continuous. Every once in a while, I'd get like a 20 second break, a 30 second break. But for the most part, they were just coupling. They were, they were kind of attached to each other, these contractions, and they wouldn't slow down. So that's where Michael was like a godsend. There was one point where a nurse asked him to get something and he was away from me for one of my contractions. And the nurse stepped in so I could hold her hand and I was like, felt it. I felt the difference. I needed to know he was next to me. And I'm not the type of person that I don't want to be coached through it. I don't want someone in my face. I don't need to be told how to do it, but knowing that my husband was right there with me, he was doing his job and it was perfect and until it was time to to push and he really had to do a job, that was exactly what I needed him to do. And because I didn't want to get checked at the end because I knew that if I got checked and I wasn't at nine, 10 centimeters, it would mess with my mindset. And so much of this labor for me was mindset. When you're, when you choose a natural labor and you're going through all of that, you need your head to stay in the game. And the last thing I needed, because I experienced it last time when I was in labor with Marie, getting checked and them saying, okay, you're at eight and just, oh, it's like defeating because you think you're at the end. So one thing that really helped me was I had a doula and I had nurses in the room who just kept telling me, you know your body. You've been through this before. You'll know when you're 10 centimeters. You'll know when it's time to push. And I kept feeling the pressure that I knew would be there when it was time to push. So there were a few times that I was like, I think I have to push. But then a contraction came where it was like gutturally coming out of my mouth. I need to push. I knew it. And they checked me. I was 10 centimeters and it was go time. For some reason, I think because the baby was facing up, pushing this time was very challenging for me, and the last two times it wasn't. So it took about 45 minutes of pushing, which I know in the grand scheme of things is not a lot, especially for some women. I've heard stories of hours, but for me, that wasn't the norm, and I felt like since my contractions were coupling, I wasn't getting the breaks I needed in between to kind of catch my breath, so I had to get oxygen, which is not a big deal. Because I was getting really dizzy and I was having a hard time pushing and keeping my energy up. But ultimately, you know, my husband was there helping me, and I loved how my OB helped me through the pushing phase. I had never experienced this before. I'd actually never had my own OB deliver the baby because they weren't on call when I went into labor. But this time she was there and she turned into like a football coach. It was amazing. And I didn't think I would like that. But during the pushing phase, because it is such an athletic moment, like of all of your strength and all of your energy and all of your focus, and you're in pain and you don't want to do it, but you're at the end and you just have to get to that finish line. I put all my focus on holding this beautiful baby like I just couldn't wait to have the baby on my chest. I just kept thinking of that moment and picturing that moment, but my OB was actually yelling at me and it was awesome. She was coaching me, cheering for me loud, like telling me, "Okay, that's you know, that's not good enough. You have to push harder or hold it right there. You're doing great." And just coaching me and encouraging me and that absolutely helped me and I was really surprised by that. I didn't expect it. So our beautiful baby came out. We saw she was a girl, another miracle. And our nurse right in that moment comes over. They uh, Now, I'll walk you through all the things we do with baby. We, meaning Michael and I, that we wanted to do right off the bat and and things that we've learned that have been really beneficial for the baby and for mom. But I wanted the baby right on my chest right away. So they put her immediately on me and The nurse right away. I was at, in retrospect, I was thinking, I don't know, like, was this a good thing that she did this or not? But I was so grateful she did. She came over and really quietly held up the cord that was still attached because we delay cord cutting. And she showed me a knot in the cord. And she said, you see this? This is a knot in her cord. And she said, about one in every hundred babies might have some kind of knot in their cord. And this is a pretty tight knot, but not tight enough To cut off her supply. This is often what can lead to a stillbirth. And you wouldn't know. There's no way we can tell until it's too late. So kiss that baby and be so grateful. And it was such an emotional moment and not a dramatic one because she was okay. And a knot in the cord does not mean that Something terrible is going to happen to the baby. Our baby was totally fine. It wasn't clamped tight, but it can happen. And it just made me realize the miracle I was holding on my chest. And it made me so grateful for my children and for my healthy pregnancies and something that I don't take for granted. And that was an incredible reminder of that. So, some of the things that we did, we knew ahead of time that we wanted to do with the baby to kind of help with the health of the baby and just help ease her into this world because she just went through this crazy trauma of birth I mean the, the labor and the delivery is traumatic for the mom but think about what the baby goes through and the fact that the baby's coming out of this really warm cozy safe place that the only place it's ever known dark and all of that into this bright cold loud space So we knew we wanted to do skin-to-skin right away, which we've done with all of our kids. So right when the baby's born, I don't want a nurse taking the baby. I don't want the doctor taking the baby. I want her right on me. And so we do that. And then because we do that, we delay everything else. That's where I ask them to turn down the lights. I send people out of the room, minus the people who have to be there. And I want time with our baby, just Michael and I within reason. I mean, there are still kind of people bopping around the room, taking care of things, taking care of me, but our focus is on the baby. So we also delay the cord cutting a little bit. And that means we're delaying things like weighing and measuring. Oftentimes they'll just kind of like scoop the baby and take them off and put them on the scale to be weighed and measured. And that's fine, but it's cold and it's away from the mother. And the first few moments and for us, first few hours, we want baby right there with us. So we make sure everything's okay. Obviously, the doctor checks the baby, but then the baby's with me. And Michael's right there, too. So we dim the lights. We delay all that stuff. And I've always nursed within the first few minutes of having the baby. It's absolutely miraculous how the baby just knows. I mean, sometimes. My babies, thankfully, have known. And so we nurse right away. And we actually delay the bath now oftentimes they'll do a bath right away and you see the baby comes out with all this white vernixy stuff that is actually like loaded with nutrients for the baby that if you leave it on it might look a little funny in the beginning it absorbs back into their skin and it's super super good for their delicate sweet little baby skin so we delayed, you can delay one to two weeks, you can delay one to two days, One, to however long you want, but we didn't do any bath in the hospital and we wanted to give her her first bath at home too. And we wanted to involve the kids and stuff, which was total chaos. It's a complete circus in our house, but we're learning to embrace it. I also did placenta encapsulation. Now, this was as weird to me as it may sound to you, but I researched it and I wanted to explore it and it's something I decided to do and... You know, it's hard to report back on that because it's another one. I've experienced postpartum depression before. I absolutely, thankfully, didn't have any this time. And I can't say, you know, it's absolutely the, the placental encapsulation because I don't know. I didn't have it last time either, and I didn't encapsulate my placenta. So who the heck knows, you know? But I felt like if it gives me some kind of leg up on my hormones, which always go crazy after pregnancy, why not? The other thing we did or always do Especially in the winter, but even when we had Jack and May, we kind of go into hibernation because the way nature intended it is for those first few weeks after this baby is born, they are with their mother and their father and maybe their siblings, whoever like would be in direct contact with them. So we just, we don't leave the house except what's necessary. At least me, the baby and I don't. So I really wanted her to get her first chiropractic adjustment. I was adjusted within my first 24 hours of birth. My uncle is a chiropractor and he came to the hospital and gave me my adjustment when I was born. And I wanted her, you know, they go through this birth canal and they go through this really traumatic and twisty process and they've been like all bound up in your belly and now they're stretching out. So It's so good to get their spine realigned and just checked out, and their hips, make sure they're in the right placement, and it helps with so many different things. So our chiropractor out here was so kind to come to our house so we didn't have to take our baby out of the house, which was so great. So it allowed us to just be home as a family. And honestly, I've left the house twice in three weeks, and it's been for a doctor's appointment for the baby And our third chiropractic appointment was out of the house at the chiropractor's office. And that's it. We just hunkered down and spend time as a family. I also breastfeed on demand with the baby for the first few weeks. I don't worry about how much I'm awake. I don't worry how much I'm breastfeeding. I'm just feeding, feeding, feeding. And thankfully, she's a great eater and gaining, 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 no problem. They actually are wondering what the heck I'm doing to make her gain so much weight. I use proper supplementation. We use all-natural diapers right from the get-go. I like Bambo is the brand, not Bamboo, Bambo, B-A-M-B-O, because it's their sweet little skin and so many diapers, you might not know it or realize it, but they have fragrance in them or chemicals in them or toxins in them that's absorbing right into the baby. So that's something that we do right from the get-go. We bring them to the hospital so that they're not putting the name brand diapers on them right in the beginning. And I am not going into and opening up the can of worms of vaccinations. I I get the question all the time, what we do for vaccination. It's a personal choice. Do your research. Get really well educated on it. Don't just join a bandwagon. That's my best advice. And I personally don't like to talk about it because it's amazing how nasty people can be in response to what you choose to do. So, all I will tell you is we don't do vaccinations in the hospital. It's a brand new baby and they need to acclimate to the world and that's that's how we operate. So, that's what we do with the baby right off the bat. And we named our sweet little girl Avelina Elizabeth and it's a funny story about her name. So, we're awful at naming our babies. All three of our kids have gone to the last possible day in the hospital before we fill out the birth certificate. And this time we kind of were revisiting our old list of names from the other kids and seeing what we want to name them. We couldn't decide. The nurses kept asking, do you have a name yet? Do you have a name yet? We finally told them, please don't ask if we have a name. We will tell you when she has a name. We're kind of sick of fielding the question. So the story of her name, Avelina, is that in 2007, I lived in Italy and I went to this beautiful little province in Italy called Avelino. I have family from that area, and I fell madly in love with it. I loved everything about it, and I said to one of my friends who came with me, "I'll name a daughter, Evelina someday. I love that. I, I just love this place so much." So ten years pass, and Michael and I—about ten years pass—we go for our our one-year anniversary, and I take him to Avelino, and we see our family and everything out there, and he loves it there too. So. Come the birth of this baby. We didn't use the name for the other two, obviously, and we couldn't decide. And I go to bed on the last night in the hospital and I say a little prayer and I just say, Okay, Lord, send me her name in a dream and I'll trust you completely. That's it. Whatever you send me, you send me Glockenspiel. The kid's name will be Glockenspiel. Just send it to me and I will trust you completely. So I go to bed that night and I wake up in the morning kind of bummed out that I didn't have a dream about a name. And I roll over right after kind of realizing I didn't have a dream about it. And I pick up my phone and I see a text message from my, one of my best friends. And it just says, Avelina Elizabeth Hartke. And I said, huh, I like that. What, what made you send that text? She said, I don't know. I, she knew I loved the name Avelina. So it's not like she pulled that out of thin air. She said, I don't know. I dreamt it last night and I had to send it to you before I forgot. So I realized that I did not specify to God who to send the dream to. But he sent it to my friend Emily, and she sent it to me. And I told Michael, and he said, it's funny, Avelina was on my heart last night. You know, I just, I feel like that's her name. And Elizabeth was never on the table, but that's a family name. That was my great-grandmother's name, now my name, and now it's our daughter's middle name. And I actually didn't want it as the middle name, but I said, I told God I would trust in him completely if he sent it to me in a dream, and he did. So let's fill out this birth certificate. So that's how she got her name. I know this birth story isn't super exciting. It's not a really eventful story. I, from the time my water broke to when I birthed the baby was about seven hours. From the time I got to the hospital to when she was born was a little over three hours. She was born at 8.30 in the morning, 8.28. And there were no complications, thank God. She got a little stuck when I was trying to push her out. There was a knot in her cord, but nothing came of it, thank God. But I do feel like, my mindset going into it, the things I did to prepare, my nutrition during my pregnancy, my fitness during my pregnancy, they all prepared me for a healthy labor. And I think they also really prepared my body for my healing experience. These few weeks have been so focused on baby and healing. And it's been a blissful time. For a family of five with two toddlers at home, I can't describe the peace we have felt in our home because. It sounds counterintuitive to say our home is peaceful with all the chaos. Even with the yelling and the crazy, there is a sense of peace here. And I think the perspective that I have this time around has helped in my healing. It's like this embracing of the truth of this too shall pass. There is nothing that we've encountered so far in this postpartum journey or even in the labor that felt like it was going to last forever. Like I remember my kids crying in the middle of the night when they were newborns and wanting to eat nonstop and cluster feed and just being stressed and like, oh, when is this going to change? When is this going to stop? And reaching out to my friends who are moms and saying, "How, how do I fix this? Like, what am I doing wrong? Or should I be trying this instead of just slowing down, taking a breath and embracing the journey as it is? And this has been so calm and stressless for us yeah because we've done it a few times now but also because we have embraced that that truth like I am up most of the night and that's okay like I'm enjoying those moments with her versus stressing about them sure I wish I was getting a little more sleep but I know it'll get better soon and I know that you know we'll adjust and she'll adjust and it's okay and it's not about always trying to fix everything it's just that lack of stress has really helped With the healing process. It also helped that I didn't need stitches this time. Highly recommend that. If you can avoid the stitches, the healing is so much better. (laughs) And icing, I iced for 24 hours after she was born. And they'll give you one ice pack and say, you know, nothing from here forward is going to help. Keep icing, it makes a huge difference. I had almost no swelling and I felt great. I almost didn't feel like I had a baby within a week of having her. And I'm already, you know, in the two week mark was doing yoga and able to move my body again and just feeling good. And I think all the, I think so many people during pregnancy say, oh, after pregnancy is when I'll start working out and start eating healthy. No, if you can before pregnancy and absolutely during pregnancy, that's when it's the best time to practice mobility and be moving and get the proper nutrition and prepare your body for this athletic event it's going to go through and then the healing that has to come after and one big thing that I'm doing this time that I didn't do previously was when I would nurse before I would you know and you're nursing all the time for breastfeeding I'd pick up my phone every time and just kind of scroll mindlessly and this time I'm either in prayer or in thought or I'm reading something positive or I'm listening to something positive instead of just losing time on my phone. And that's helped my mind stay in a good place. And I'm actually not even napping during the day, which is great because it means I can be productive when she naps or I can just rest and heal and not be worried about it. And I'm so grateful that I've set up a business and a life that allows for that kind of freedom, that allows for my family to be fully taken care of Whether or not I'm working in this moment, and to have a career that I love so much that three weeks into it, I wanna be in here recording this podcast and I wanna check in with some of my clients, not because I have to, not because I need money, but because I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do, and I've crafted this business and this life. And in episode two, when I talk about casting that vision, it was this for me. This is what I pictured. This is what I worked for. And it's simple and it's not glamorous, but it's exactly what I prayed for. And I cultivated a business around how I wanted to be able to live. And that's one of the things that kept coming up over these last few weeks when I was debating, okay, am I going to share this story? Am I going to share any of this publicly? And it was this truth of like, I have to share this because they're going to be women and people who have babies and bring their babies into the world and don't get to have this stress-free experience. They don't take care of their body during the pregnancy because they don't know any better. They don't build a business that allows them freedom moving forward. And in sharing this story and talking about kind of the reverse engineering of being able to get it to this place, maybe someone will take that leap of faith and start that journey for themselves now. So come that time, they are actually living the life of their dreams versus dreaming about the life they want to live. For all you mamas out there, I give you all the credit in the world. It is not easy to bring that baby into the world. It is not easy to juggle entrepreneurship and motherhood, but you can do it and you can do it with grace. It doesn't have to be about balance. I don't feel like my life is in balance right now. I don't seek balance right now. I want my life to be out of balance. I want more of my life to be focused on my new baby and my new family of five versus my work. But I'm able to trickle little bits of work in there because sanity because it is my sanity and I love it. And it provides for my family and it allows us to live this life of freedom and fulfillment. But you don't have to seek balance. Give yourself the space to feel what you're feeling and move through it and focus on what you ultimately want to be doing and how you want to be living. And thanks for listening. This was a different kind of episode for me, and it felt a little vulnerable, and I'm sorry there was nothing dramatic, but I'm grateful there was nothing dramatic because this was our birth story. This is the story of how we brought our sweet little Evelina into the world, and there is nothing I want more than a drama-free birth. Yes, there was pain and yelling and crazy, but it was natural and beautiful and exactly as we prayed for it, and I hope you have the opportunity to have that too if that's something that you're seeking. And I have a freebie for you guys because I have to. I want to give you guys something. I get asked all the time, what are the natural products I use for baby, postpartum, and baby care stuff. So I'm putting together just a simple one sheet that anyone can benefit from that has had a baby, is having a baby, knows someone who has a baby. Or just really wants to learn about some more natural roots and products that could benefit them. So I'll be sharing that with you guys. So make sure you grab it in the show notes at elizabethhardke.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero one three. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a mama or a mama to be, please share this episode and tag your mama friends. This is something I would love to get out there to more people and I'd love to get your feedback on it. And here, Any things that maybe I missed. I didn't share all the details, but I shared the ones that I thought I was comfortable sharing and that I thought you guys would appreciate. But I'd love to hear some of the things that you do in your birth story and and how you brought your babies into the world. So sending you prayers and blessings for healthy childbirth if you have one upcoming and all the happiness in the world as a new mama. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today.